Welcome to Final Fantasy Weekly. I'm Drew Creaseman. And I'm Ira Creaseman. And on this episode, we continue our conversation on Final Fantasy Tactics. When last we left our heroes, the War of the Lions had finally begun. That's what this whole thing is about, right? It's called Final Fantasy Tactics, the War of the Lions, if that's the version we're, we're doing anyway. And so we finally got there. And we needed a lot of that to understand what is to come and to be emotionally tied to the things that are going to happen during the war. So I want to begin, rather than the sort of longer previously ons that we've done, just by reading from the script that really sets the stage, because we get a time jump here too. It's another one, our second big time jump in the game, if you'll recall the very beginning is a year before all of these events where we had to get you know, kind of the prelude to the story of Ramza and Delita, particularly as young people, and Titra, let's not forget. And then a year later, we basically get the events that lead up to the war, and then the start of it between Dukes Larg and Goltana. And now we begin with Chapter 3, The Valiant. Three months had passed since the beginning of the War of the Lions. The conflict grew fiercer by the day, and the forces of Duke Larg and Goltana grew increasingly weary of the endless battle. Pleading for the overtaxed and starving populace, Count Orlandu, Lord Commander of the Order of the Southern Sky, proposed peace talks to Duke Goltana. However, his suggestion did not fall upon sympathetic ears. So that is where we open with Duke Goltana, who we had only just met at the end of the last episode, the leader of the Southern faction trying to take his seat as regent on the throne, and the leader of his forces, Sidolphus Orlandu. So we're introduced to a few new members of Goltana's advisory team here, beginning with the Baron of Balmina, who is, I think, the first very clearly defined dark-skinned person in the story. I, I do think... You know, there, there are a lot of characters who don't really get names throughout the story, too. And so we've seen various skin tones. And so correct me if I'm wrong, but I do think the Baron of Balmina is the first one who very clearly looks much more. And we've talked about this before, how, you know, African, American, European, Asian, black, white, all of these things have sort of different contexts and definitions in a Final Fantasy game. But just this person clearly looks much more like a black person. And we'll actually see several of those this episode, which is refreshing. And as we've talked about before, it's oftentimes unfortunate in fantasy or science fiction when you see these places just completely filled with white people, which is both unrealistic and socially, obviously, for other reasons, not good. So the Baron of Balmina is speaking kind of ambiguously, but you understand the, the numbers he's talking about here are casualties. And he just says, this past even fall, the count stood at 20,040. If both sides are to be counted alone, we've sustained uh, 200 wounded or 200,000 wounded as well. So 40,000 casualties, 200,000 wounded. Yeesh. And then we're reintroduced to the Marquis Elmdor, who you'll recall was part of this whole weird plot at the beginning. And our not-so-friend friend Argoth, who was desperate to rescue him from being kidnapped and all of that. And, you know, we hadn't really gotten to know the Marquis that well, though. We had only just kind of been trying to save him at the time. And now he's going to say some stuff that make me wonder if... You know, maybe it wouldn't have been such a bad thing if he had gotten lost somewhere along the road. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but he chimes in, The number of casualties does not concern me, nor does the depletion of our stores. These were to be expected. All the cost of doing business. No, it is this drought that threatens us. The markets are empty and tax collections fall short. With prices as they are, we can lay in supplies for another half year at best. Now, as much as he's being a, a total douchebag about not caring about the casualties of war, I do love that this conversation is interested in these things that oftentimes games and even movies and television don't 
talk about like how much grain are we going to have for the next year (laughs) so we've talked before about how this war and most wars really are about resources right they're about who controls the grain as you were just saying but also the money and the land and the water and whatever else so yeah it makes sense that they would be worried about uh you know whether or not they're gonna be able to feed not only themselves and i'm sure they're eating just fine but also their soldiers, because it's hard to send soldiers into battle if they have no energy because they haven't eaten, right? Also, I think it's interesting to point out that the gambit with Elmdor didn't work. He's working right. here with Goltana rather than Larg. So if you right. recall from the beginning, like we rescued, you know, they, they were trying to, Larg and the Beowulf boys were trying to get rid of Elmdor because he was trying to uh, stay neutral or whatever. And then, oh, well, once he's rescued, now he has to work with Larg, right? Well, apparently he didn't take too kindly to being uh, kidnapped, right. you know, at, at the attempted assassination. So I'm, I'm kind of proud of him for taking the other side. Totally. So in agreeing with the Marquis, we are introduced to Viscount Blanche. I hope I'm close enough. I, I got lots of characters in this game. I'm, I'm aiming for 70 to 80% on the right, pronunciations right. here. And, uh, and not all of them come back to matter that much. Right. And so you, you never know. But the, the point, I think, and what it really does do is sell a kind of authenticity. He's got all these different kinds of advisors. There are so many characters and so many different moving pieces. The complexity is part of the point of this story because so much can be lost in the complexity. And as we'll get more and more to here in this episode, that creates the the shadows where so much can be done, right? So this guy says, you know, Duke Larg must surely face like difficulties. In other words, the other side is going through a lot of the same, right? And he knows that it happened to have rained a lot this particular season up north, which means that the grain is going to be rotted in the fields and there's going to be a hard time feeding people. Right Again, I love that they're having this conversation because I feel like in so much fiction centered around these types of conflicts, it's all about tactical strategy and battles and nobility and who sits on the big pointy chair. And I just love that, in fact, this next line really gets to the point when Orlando gets into the conversation and he says something that you could swear could come right out of the mouths of the leaders of the Corpse Brigade. Because this was the lesson of the 50 Years' War, which Orlando fought in. And he says the real trouble will lie in the war's wake. Right. For for the rest of society. Again, I'm a little frustrated at how quickly all of these guys are looking past the like hundreds of thousands of wounded soldiers and the tens of thousands of dead. But they certainly live in a world where that is the job of a soldier, I guess. Right. And they, they consider their war to be a righteous one. But I love that Orlando here is saying, OK, whole villages have been displaced. Oran were introduced to a character by name who will become important later. That one we're going to flag post for you. Oran tells me over 100,000 have already fled to Lazalia and more pour in by the day. Another thing that we don't often talk about in fantasy and science fiction warfare. Now we've got refugees coming to the capital. And then Blanche replies, "Ha! I see no trouble in this. Let Larg struggle to feed the mewling maids and his soldiers both. Right. So this is, like you said, Orlando learned the lesson of the 50 years war. Barbaneth Beowulf also learned that lesson. Right. And it shouldn't have to take the 50 years war to learn this lesson. But at the same time, you know, why did the Corpse Brigade come into existence? Because they have food and we don't. Like that was that was the whole thing. So when Orlando's talking about there is no work. Right? He's trying to say, look, there's no economy. And some of these guys don't seem to understand that if you don't have people to plant in the fields because they're all dead or because there is no work, like you, you, your castles are going to cease to exist. Like Nobody's going to maintain them. Your, your meals are going to cease to exist because nobody's going to grow the food or cook it. And eventually someone's going to knife you in your sleep 
because you let their family starve to death. Right. They so, come with the guillotines. Right. Yeah. Yes. And so, uh, yeah, I like not only that they're taking into account the practical considerations of how much grain do we have, but also like the humanity, or, or at least Orlando is, is bringing up and then uh, Blanche is bringing up as a counterexample. They're bringing up the, just the humanity of the situation. It's not just about us pointing our men with pointy metal at the other men with pointy metal. Like there's a whole other thing going on here. It's not right. just about our tactics game. Huh. <laughs> yeah, literally. And so Orlando basically says, you know, hey, look, you may think it's an advantage now that it's their people who are going to starve first. But I assure you, our people will starve second. <laughs> like this, right. you're not thinking this through. We are not immune to this problem. And so he suggests, has not the time come to chart a course to peace? Hey, this Sadolfus guy might be a good guy. Good for him. This is interesting, right? Because he is, again, the leader of the Army of the Southern Sky. He basically is the counterpoint in the war to the Baelves, right? The Brothers Baelve, who are leading the Northern Sky. And we know we're up to all kinds of mischievous stuff, despite the fact that the youngest brother in that family is our primary hero. So those guys, despite the fact that they could should theoretically be on, quote, our side, are so mi- conniving and underhanded. And here we've got the guy on, quote, the other side, though it's not really been presented that way. We just have seen far less of them. And Goltana clearly doesn't seem any more or less power-hungry or ridiculous than Larg. But here we've got Orlando standing up and you know, being the Hector of the situation and saying like, look, I may be a great warrior. And especially if this is like your second or third playthrough and you know what Orlando is capable of in battle, the fact that he's asking for peace is just that much more powerful. So Goltana again gives us more out-of-touch oligarchy stuff. He does say that Orlando's fears are well-founded, but we cannot yet end this war Uh, He says, we must treble the rate of tax and keep a close watch on those who profiteer in these trying times. And he says, for the refugees outside the castle, we shall tighten our patrols at Limberry at the border to see they are turned back. That solves the problem, right? Even if you're not worried about whether or not they're going to have enough to eat, you should at the very least be worried that they're going to burn down your castle. Like, You'd think. There, there are a lot more of them than there are of you, Goltana. And if you were really being, if they weren't such classist assholes and could be even more practical about it, and I don't, you know, approve of what I'm about to suggest either, but you would, yeah, you would be nice to them, right? You would feed them, you would bring them in, and then you would give them more pointy metal and point them at the enemy. Who, right. yeah, you know, who brought us to this? Who made you refugees? Who burned down your house? Oh, it was those northern sky fellas. We're going to feed you. We love you. Now kill them. Now, I don't approve of that either, but at least it would be a head it's fake better toward, tactics. <laughs> yeah, it would be good tactics and like a head fake toward humanitarianism. Right. Uh, and they can't even manage that because they're just, oh, well, they're trash. You know, yeah. they, they don't they don't matter. Lock the doors. Right. So there's a bit more of a back and forth and Orlando tries to plead his case and, you know, Goltana and Blanche are kind of on the other side saying there really can't be a peaceful end to this. And Orlando makes one last pitch and, it, and it basically it's a, it's a longer speech, but it comes down to this. He says, we cannot sustain this war. It is a matter of resources and resolve. Right? Like... The, the sustaining of the war as much as anything. And Goltana responds, resolve. Have you any? Those are words of a coward. Ooh. Ooh, you want to be careful who you call a coward, sir. Right. Again, when you know, you're like the amount of restraint that Sid shows here. And he says, you know, in the 50 years war, It was fought to drive back an invasion of our sovereign soil. We were honor-bound to fight. 
now we're getting really good. Remember I talk about that, like, like professional wrestling, but it's Shakespeare, like the back and forth, like the promo cutting they're doing on each other. Like all of a sudden, everybody else in the room has gone blurry and Goltana and Orlando are having a back and forth. And to do this with your Lord Regent, right? And Goltana says, and in this war, you do not feel so honor bound. You were never one given to hypocrisy, Orlando. Show leniency now and they will only strike the harder. This fight is not only for ourselves, but for our people in equal measure. The crown cumbers with them in its every act. We fight to free them from such tyrannies. See, high on his own supply a little bit here? Is he eating up his own propaganda a little bit? Does he really believe this? I, I wonder that as well. Because... I mean, they were just talking about how we're going to turn back refugees, but we're trying to free people from tyranny. Like, really? Really? I don't know. It seems like a quick turnaround from moments ago where we were locking the doors to keep the trash out. <laughs> right. Blanche, ever the face, faithful hound, hops in to say, His grace has the right of it. Besides, why lay down the sword with victory so near? Your title is ill-earned, thunder god Sid. Your gentle words would sooner stir a breeze. And this reminds me of what you were talking about with Gafgarian when he was talking about the measure of a man and what a man does. And these guys challenging Sidolphus Orlando's manliness or, or sternness or strength simply because his words are gentle, simply because he doesn't want to kill as many people as possible. And to your point last episode, here Sid is offering a different example of what strength and masculinity look like, knowing that he could absolutely, if he wanted to, kill either of these people in single combat. You know, It would cause a lot of problems for him politically, and he would immediately go to the gallows, and so he's not going to do that right now. But just from a physical standpoint, there's nobody in the room who can stop him from doing that. <laughs> No, he could probably take out the whole room by himself if that's what he really wanted. Right. And so so to your point about masculinity, I was watching a YouTube video about the masculinity of Aragorn as depicted in Lord of the Rings and especially the movies. And I may have used this as an example before, but I love how he is the kind of guy who, much like uh, Sidolfus Orlando here, who could take out the room if he wanted to, but his his strength is such that he doesn't want to, right? He, you know, Aragorn can, can sing at his own wedding, which is, you know, by modern standards, not a necessarily, a, not, not a terribly masculine thing to do, which is ridiculous. Why not? So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I like that as a, as a nice counterpoint to the masculinity of, as, of, of folks like uh, the Dark Knight. And Orlando replies with remarkable poetry and wisdom in equal measure. Is victory so near? My ears are deaf to hear its approach. What see you in our plight that portends victory? Or have you forsworn the use of your eyes? Yeah, we hear this shit in real life all the goddamn time. Right, we'll be in and out of the Middle East in a week. Right. That's right. it's what uh, Putin said about uh, invading uh, Ukraine. Right. It's all these men who think they have so much power and such big weapons that they can just that victory is within our grasp and it's not going to take that long and it'll be easy and we'll be seen as liberators. And then we hang a big mission accomplished banner across the whatever. Right. Good Lord. Yeah. They. they Neither they nor we have learned the lesson of the 50 years war. Right, right. So then it just sort of breaks down into some squabbling back and forth. And Goltana eventually plays the I have the biggest title in the room card and says, everybody knock it off. Sid, you better stop if you disappoint me again, dot, dot, dot. Essentially, you know, but the conversation is over and we're not ending the war right now. And then this really interesting thing happens where the screen freezes. And we've kind of done this before to introduce a couple of scenes, like at the very beginning when Delita and Ramza were beginning as squires and we got this introduction of who the Northern Sky was and what they were doing there. This is similar, but it ends a scene 
And it's also immediately understood to be narrated by Ramza Beov, which I even think, you know, as an extension of the way the whole thing has been presented, you could do, if we were doing this as our live action HBO series, as notes, journal entries that our Islam found that Ramza, because it would absolutely make sense that Ramza would write something like this and that you would find it years later and document it. Right, right. I, I, yeah. I mean, we've said this before, but if five is a fairy tale and six is an opera and seven is a blockbuster, then Tactics is a history channel documentary, right? Right. And so, yeah, our Islam, who is who's telling us this historical account of what really happened, yeah, has uncovered Ramza's journal or something. And so we've got an actor, you know, it's it's Morgan Freeman uh, is going to voice. Okay, no, no, not not uh, Morgan Freeman. Phil Lamar. Phil Lamar is going to do the voice, right? Of in the in of the everybody history <laughs> of everybody. Yes, but in the History Channel everyone. documentary, right? Like you, you get a, a famous voice actor to read the letters. And and I think that would be, yeah, I think that is what this is meant to represent. Right. Like our history teacher is telling us a story and he's reading from the from the actual journals of Ramza Bale, the forgotten uh, figure in this big conflict. Right. And I love this moment, too, because it harkens back to the last time Ramza saw Delita and that conversation that we delved deep into last time around and Ramza says and or writes Delita once told me he was swimming against some unseen current if this current rushed towards war and the world with it what hope did I have to fight it I made for Lazalia to tell my lord brother someone dictated this war from the shadows and to test my legs against the current. He really is trying, isn't he? He, Oh, man. Yeah, he knows that people are going to get, people have been hurt, people are going to get hurt. And he could at least try to do something because when he didn't try to do something, Titra was murdered. Yeah. Oh. Boy, the use of that metaphor is really good. So he's going to test his legs against the current as well. He's going to go and try to talk to his brother. And again, about the what's going on in the shadows. It's complicated enough what's happening on the surface level. But there's some mysterious thing at work here. And he thinks maybe if he can bring that to his brother, that that may stop some of the surface level politics from mattering quite as much. All right, Ira, we pick back up with Ramza. And remember, it's three months now since we were last around and he's lost the princess and and, and all of that. You know, she's with Goltana and all of them and the war has started and all of this stuff is happening. He's going to try to go to Lazalia to speak with his brothers. And on the way, this is apparently just his luck. It's in the Zodiac signs, isn't it? Whatever his sign is, whatever you chose for him at the beginning of the game, it includes happening upon people who are in immediate danger and having to make the decision to save them. This is the third time we did it with Argoth. We did it with Mustadio. And here we are introduced to Oren. It was Olan in the original game. Again, it's that RL thing, uh, Japanese-wise to to English. But Oran now officially. Very interesting character who we only get a snippet of here. But again, we we just heard Sid mention his name. So that we see him here in trouble. There's some thieves off to him. You know, we get some of the cross-chatter of, you know, where is he? Where'd he run off to? You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Yes. So, upon saving him through, again, tactical RPG battle system, where you and your retinue of awesome superheroes can save the day, 
you get a chance to speak with this young man. And we can do a, a very little character study here of Oron, who is now, by the way, our second darker-skinned character that we're introduced to in this chapter. And when Ramza asks after him, he says, I am fine, thank you. My name is Oren Durai. We've huh. heard that last name before. Sure we have. So remember when our historian friend at the beginning introduced us to everything, he talked about the, Ora, uh, the Durai papers, rather. The Durai papers being sort of the heretical history of, of the War of the Lions. So uh, that would suggest that this Oren Durai character is at least connected to, in some way, the Durai papers and uh, that that history that is not well thought of or, or considered to be heretical or false. Right. So that, that's really, really cool and interesting. Uh, there are other couple things about him really, really cool and interesting. Just he's got a great character design. It's kind of awesome, slick back hair and a ponytail, really neat looking kind of robes that he's wearing, or, or it's kind of hard to tell in the, in the older graphics or maybe an ornate shirt, kind of nice pants or whatever. He's like, he's well-dressed, I, I, I will say. And then in battle, as you watch, and as he goes around, he does this interesting thing where he is an astrologer. Yeah. Right. So like, in most and we don't talk a ton about battles as we go throughout these games usually and you know most of the characters in this game have your kind of standard fantasy some are mages some are archers you know you can have knights you can have all kinds of different things but this notion of a character who has like magic that is tied to the stars and an understanding of astrology is really cool it is and it's so we've already talked about how uh, the Zodiac Braves story, right? So the the Zodiac Braves fought off the Lukavi or whatever, except maybe that's some nonsense because we've seen what the Zodiac Braves stones do now. And so, yeah, astrology not tied to the church, it would seem, which I imagine makes the church not very happy because he's got this power using the astrology and, and stars and whatnot. He's, he's not associated with the church. So since Oran has given his name, Ramza gives his, which is something he should honestly consider not doing anymore. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's a very recognizable would, name. Yeah. Beowulf. And, you know, Oran reacts to it, a little, a little taken aback, as you would think, and, uh, you know, says, you know, forgive me, um, but might I inquire into the direction of your travels? And Ramza says, you know, we head for the capital, and you are... Welcome to accompany us, because I have learned zero lessons. No, I've learned some good lessons, but not this particular <laughs> lesson yet. And this part is interesting because, you know, we're so used to It's an RPG. We've played so many of these, even in this one so far. Even the bad guys have been like, yeah, we'll go along. Right, right. And he just says, no, I got I to gotta bounce. Sorry, man. Right. But Because uh, Ramza does not know that Oran is the that he's associated with Sidolphus Orlandu, the guy leading the Southern Knights, uh, and the Bales are leading the Northern Knights, and therefore they're probably enemies, except right. Ramza's not associated with the Northern Knights anymore, but Oren wouldn't know that. He would just hear the name Beolb and think, oh, that's the name of the guys who are fighting my dad. Right. Like, we're having this whole... But Ramza is so just like, hey, you want to travel along? He's like, I'm actually going the other direction. But they have this total respect for each other. I love this scene so much. It would be a great cold open for a television show. Great way of introducing a character and then immediately sending him off the other direction. And you wonder, well, what, what, what was that guy all about? <laughs> what's, what's his deal? You know? And mm -hmm. you're just going to have to find out later. And he even gives the classic line of that particular type of character that you want to hear about more, where he says, God's willing, Ramza, may we meet yet again. Try to keep yourself alive in the meantime. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Drew, before we get to the capital, uh, let's hit the pub. Uh, and, Always. And <laughs> if I'm going to have to go be around the politicians, I'm going to need a drink. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's look at a couple of rumors here. First... The death of Cardinal de la Croix. It has been three months since the death of Cardinal de la Croix, liege lord of Lionel. Although his death has been attributed to malady, 
man, they attribute a lot of these deaths to malady. Yeah. I would begin to suspect every. Oh, oh, your yeah. uncle died of a malady, did he? Yeah. Mm. Anyway, many speculate that he was assassinated. Some even say that he was slain by an otherworldly fiend. The violent, the violent assault on Lionel Castle by a band of brigands on the eve of Delacroix's death lends momentum to such outlandish rumors. For strangely enough, the slain appeared to have been crushed to death. Wow. So, I mean, close. There's nothing in there about Lukavi or Zodiac Bravestones, but... Yeah. yeah. But yeah, definitely brigands and death and strangely enough. Yeah. <laughs> Got some of it. Journalism. <laughs> Speaking of another rumor, drought and flood. Famine, the likes of which have not been seen in decades, has descended upon Ivalis. The eastern lands of Zeltenia and Limberry suffer from a drought which has reduced the harvest to half that of a normal year. And to the west, in Gaion and Favum, widespread flooding has also destroyed close to half of all crops. The capital of the Salia is awash with refugees who have lost their homes in the war or who are simply in search of food. So even if there wasn't a war, we'd be low on food. But they're trying to raise taxes, which at this point is just theft of coin and right. grain and land and people. It's just, what do you think they do to people who can't pay their taxes? Do you think they just send them a stern letter or do they put them in debtor's prison or force them right. into the ranks? Yeah. I <laughs> Sheriff of Nottingham. comes. So with the entire continent of Ivalice going to hell, <laughs> in short, they if I may summarize. Been, yeah, they might have been better off letting the invasion come in. Maybe those guys would have run the place better. I was going to say. So we pick up with Ramza just walking into his brother's estate in the capital and right to... Now, the younger one, to be fair, he goes to Zalbog, not straight to Nice Dog, of course. Like, he's not, you know. But it's been quite some time since he is seen or spoken to his brothers and he's been outwardly defying all of their wishes and desires, even fighting against them and killing their men in battle. Right. But we know how these weird people are about a certain decorum or whatever. So he just walks in the room and Zalbog is sitting there reading a book and like flipping through the pages. And even in the old, like PlayStation one isometric, like kind of funky deformed, Final Fantasy Tactics graphics, you just get the sense that he's being very dismissive. That he he just wants Ramza to know that he doesn't have his full attention. He's not going to hop up and be like, my brother, you know, so great to see you. He, in fact, he just sort of dismissively says, sit, won't you? You surprised me, Ramza. I did not, to think, I did not think to see you in Lazalia. Alma is here, you know. Like he almost passes it off. Like your sister might be happy to see you. Right. She'd be delighted to see you. Um, Go find someone who cares. Maybe yeah. a woman would care. Yeah. These, these boys, honestly. Yeah. Have you noticed, Drew, that basically all the, the awful people in this game are men? Like, Much very more this women. time around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's very few women who are, who are cast as awful people. Right. Absolutely. So Ramza begins to speak, and Zalbak cuts him off, and what do you, you, know, what do you want? Ramza says, can you not end this fighting? Which seems a little bit of a naive opening, but I guess if you're going to start somewhere, start somewhere, you know, with the big sure. question. Yeah, I mean, leading up to it wouldn't have helped either. The answer was sure. going to be no either way, but let's have the conversation, I guess. Yeah. So Zalbog calls it nonsense, and Ramza begins his argument with the name. He goes straight to daddy, basically. <laughs> you know, he says, we bales." have ever fought to defend the people, not simply the crown. And now we fight for no more than our own glory. All right. There's a claim. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty strong claim. Yeah. I, I yeah. like it. Good, good for him. Good, good opening. 
Zalbag can't not respond to that. But the best he can do is claim that Ramza is naive and says, you speak of things you do not understand, Ramza. Oh, that's always the... Well, you just Isn't don't it? get it. Yeah. Isn't it? What you're Ugh. doing is terrible. Well, you, you don't understand. You're taking you me out of context. Yeah. All right. Well, explain it then, you prick. Yeah. Well, Ramza gives it right back to him. He says, no, it is you who do not understand. Brother, all of this, this war, this has been plotted by some unseen purpose. Dukes Larg and Goltana, only puppets in some shadow play. Yo. Ramza's onto it. You think he's naive. Y'all are naive. All of this is not even about what you think it's about. Now, Zalbog, not wanting to give too much away here and diving a little bit deeper, I, I do love his response here and running with the play theme. Says, a shadow play. Pray. Tell how it ends. Which, again, is nonsensical political stuff. Just because I can't tell you the future doesn't mean that I don't know what I'm talking about. And Ramza has to admit that. He says, I do not know. But now here's some boldness from Ramza. He just comes out and says, Our Lord Brother, Dystarg, planned the princess's abduction to prevent Duke Goltana from becoming regent. But someone intervened. Princess Ovelia lives and is now in Goltana's care. Had the assassination succeeded, the crown would surely have named Duke Goltana a traitor and rallied its banner against him. So, that was basically our previously on, right? Right, right. <laughs> that's that's the thing that happened. He noticed. He uh, notedly does not mention Delita here. He doesn't. Someone intervened. Yes. And Zalbog now gets up from his book. <laughs> it says, do you stand here accusing our brother of having some hand in this business with the princess? You think a man of your own blood capable of such a thing? You asked earlier if Goltana was on his own supply. You think Zalbag really doesn't know what's going on? I think we're starting to see a little bit of fracture in House Bale, right? Zalbog, we know, has been absolutely okay with some of the underhandedness and has been in on it and has executed it once quite literally. But I don't think he knew about this. And we know that basically everybody in this story is lying to everybody, right? So why wouldn't Dice Dark want to have something on Zalbog? He would want to have, he would want to know something that his brothers don't know. So Ramza asks that exact question. Basically, you didn't know? Zalbog, and, and another reason why I think maybe he's caught off guard here, because then he gets emotionally, falls back on just the worst thing you, you say to a person when you're you're done with them at that point. And he gets upset at Ramza and says, until today I had looked on you as a true brother, but your mother's common blood forever stains you common. You are not fit to bear the Beowulf name. I... Gross. Yeah, terrible. But also, you know what? We already know Zalbag's terrible. He ordered Argoth to kill Titra. Right. We already know what he thinks of common people. F this guy. Right. I don't care what right. he thinks of Ramza. I mean, I do. Right. But, and Ramza definitely does. Only because Ramza cares, right? He says, you cannot mean that. Even after all this time, even after everything, he he's didn't think that his brother would just totally disown him like that. And then somebody bursts into the room, you know, a, a, another soldier that says he has urgent news. In fact, that the Thunder God, Sid, has broken through their lines. And so Zalbag rushes off to summon the war council. All of them, he says. So... Ramza, with a heavy heart, obviously, is going to leave the castle. And as he's doing so, he hears a very familiar voice. It says, wait! And it's his sister, Alma. Yay, Alma! Let's get some says, common yeah. sense into this yeah. ridiculous story. She says, did you think to leave without saying so much as a word? 
And Ramza says that he's never been good at goodbyes. Which I like. Yeah. It's cute. It's nice. And they have a couple of, you know, pleasant back and forths. And she's worried that he's never going to come back. And he's saying, you know, I, I want good things for you. But then this is interesting, Ira, because as you mentioned just a moment ago, Ramza left out this key detail that he maybe didn't trust his brother with, but he trusts his sister with it. And he says to her, Delita lives, Alma. She says, but how? And he doesn't really know, so he gets right past that, and he says, (laughs) he helped them kidnap the princess. Helped who? That is an excellent question. Yeah. And Ramza begins to unveil now what is going to be sort of his driving motif for the next little bit here. He says, at first I thought at Duke Goltana that Delita had sided with him to spite us. He did tell Ramza that he hated him after all that stuff had happened. He says, now I fear he may be working with people far more dangerous still. It is they who wanted to thwart the plot to assassinate Princess Ovelia. And Alma asks, is it true that Dice Darg planned her abduction? Ramza doesn't even hesitate. It is. Yeah, absolutely. He says, I am sure he has his reasons, but I cannot see them for the blood. That is an excellent turn of phrase. It really is. (laughs) And you know what? So is Ramza suggesting here that the reasons might be good or just that he has his reasons? Just that he has his reasons, right? There, there can't be no reason. And Ramza now, as much as anything, just wants to figure out what's going on, you know, uncover the motivation behind all of it. Who's on whose team here? And then Alma has this brief, very sad moment where she hopes that maybe Titra might still be alive since Delita is. Oh, and Ramza says, yeah. no. She did not share her brother's luck. So she has to experience that tragedy all over again. And Ramza says, listen to me, Alma. I know not who guides Delita's actions, only that they are to be feared. I know not what evil lies at the end of this plot. It's kind of interesting to me that even now, Ramza does not suspect that Delita might be guiding Delita's actions. Right. And then he sort of echoes about Delita, what he had just said about his brother, that he must have his reasons as well. Again, if only I could know them. And Alma says, you mean to fight them, don't you? She sees it. As he's building, as he's saying everything out loud that's been going on, she realizes that he's been using her as a sounding board for his own call to action. Right. I mean, Delita's not the only one who can move against the current, right? Right. And so she says, I'm coming with you. Atta girl. Let's grow this party. Now they have the back and forth you would expect. Ramza says, no, no, I can't put you in danger. The, between Cecil and and Cloud right. and, and now Ramza, these Final Fantasy boys, re, speaking of learning the lesson of Final Fantasy, right? Yeah, well, right. They didn't play <laughs> the other games, apparently. Uh, can you imagine? I I really think that if Ramza had just... Recruited Alma and Ovelia into his party and let them let them start gaining levels and taking on Final Fantasy jobs. This whole thing could have ended. <laughs> whole thing could have, whole yeah. thing could have been different. So as they're having their back and forth about whether or not she's going to go with him on this next part of the adventure, they are interrupted by a man's voice. It says Ramza Bale, if I am not mistaken. Because what this story needs is another man who thinks he's powerful. says ah but i have you at a disadvantage i am confessor zalmor you should keep doing that voice it's really good (laughs) (laughs) of the holy office of inquisition jeez no one expects the holy office of inquisition what all right no that was good uh keeping most of that uh Uh, He says, I come to bring you before the office on charges of the murder of Cardinal Delacroix and suspicion of heresy. You will come with us. Should you resist, you admit your guilt 
and will be executed as a heretic. Should you resist, you will admit yeah. your guilt. So you're guilty, right. and we're either right. going to kill you here or we're going to kill you there. Right. If you drown, right. you weren't a witch. <laughs> cool. <laughs> if she weighs as much as a duck. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, since we're doing right. the pythons. Um, right. Yeah, so this is interesting. On charges of the murder of Cardinal Delacroix. Now, if I recall correctly, Cardinal Delacroix killed himself with the Zodiac Bravestone that turned him into a demon. Or maybe, the, were he and the demon the same? It's not real clear to me. But definitely, his body was exploded by the Oogie Boogie demon of Ku Kulain. Right? And we were there. <laughs> we happened unfair. to be in the room. We did play a part in making him dead whatever version of him he ended up being so this is interesting because on the one hand you're right on the other hand you can't exactly just be like hey we didn't kill the cardinal and you're like wait 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 (laughs) also we did did kill the cardinal didn't we it's interesting here that uh holy office of inquisition dude hasn't asked a question yet (laughs) it's not that kind of inquisition (laughs) (laughs) yuck yeah, that's what we needed again was another faction after us, a whole, whole new group of people to have a problem Jeez. with. So, you know, they have their back and forth. You fight, you kill this guy. Because <laughs> to hell with him. Look, th- there comes a point where the trial is just prolonging the, the death sentence. It's when the Empire wants to put you on trial, sometimes the answer has to be no. Right. At one point, Zalmor says, your violence against us is violence against the gods, but it is not too late. Repent your sins, repent, and be spared. We'll just kill you differently or or later. Freaking, ooh. Ooh. Speaking of high on his own supply, right? Like, I think this guy is a true believer. Anybody who opposes me, you are either with us or against us. You are, you're you're with me or you're you're with the Jedi. Ugh. So... You know, Ramza tries to tell him the whole thing about the Lukavi and the Oogie Boogie Man, like we were talking about before, but now he's not hearing any of that. And uh, then Ramza and Alma start fearing more for each other. Like, you know, oh, right, my sister. I, I didn't want her to be a part of all of this, you know. <laughs> Seriously, man, just put her in the party. I think I, I so, you know, the, the jokes about like gaining levels aside, I really feel like by Ramza's side, is one of the safest places for anybody in this land right now to right be. Right now, yeah. So together, they defeat Zalmor, who has to flee, and it leaves Ramza and Alma to finish their conversation. That was awfully rude, really, when you think about it, just in the middle <laughs> of this conversation. And Ramza's now even more confused than before. He says, none of this makes sense. How could the Office of Inquisition have learned about the Aura site? Could the Church of Globados be the ones supporting Delita? We thought they were a neutral third party. Then we found they were just a third party, but not totally neutral. Are they even more intertwined in all of this than we thought? And that's who Delita is working for. Maybe it's with the church. What do they hope to gain? And um, Alma says, Ramza, you, you had mentioned the Aura site. And if you've truly seen one of the stones from the legend, if they're real, then... I think I've seen one before, too. Ah, now she has more of a reason to be involved in the huge plot going on here than just (laughs) she's Ramza's sister. Right. Because we we know from uh, Ovilia's talk earlier that Alma also was raised, at least to some degree, in in the church at various monasteries. Right. So they have another back and forth, which is much cuter. And I, I again, I get why Rom's, especially after that, it just happened. He's like, I don't want to put you in danger, but she's not going to give him any more information about the Orsite unless he agrees to take her along. And literally does the, I'm going to turn my back and fold my arms. And, <laughs> <laughs> and when he says again that your life is in danger, I love her comeback. She says, I should think it is. I've acted against the Office of Inquisition. <laughs> like, <I> was, <laughs> I was just there bo- with you. I'm I'm a heretic now too, bud. Like, do you think I'm gonna get away with what we just did? <laughs> you and I just fought off an inquisitor, right? And she even calls out older brother. She says, "Do you think Dice Darg will protect me?" 
Right. He would, do ne- he would never do anything that might endanger House Beowulf. Right. Like, I've ruined my reputation. Right. Alma says, all right, the stone that I saw was back at Orbone. You remember where our story began. It was a crystal engraved with the likeness of a virgin maid. So Ramza says, Virgo, I must reach it before they do. Thank you, Alma. Now go to Zalbog and do as I have said. Uh. And she goes, how do you think you're going to get in the monastery? And he goes, right, okay, fine. You are going to need me, or I am going to need you. So when it's done, you have to go home. He's still, ah. I know, I know. Should have read the the story of the fourth dimension when Cecil got told by Rosa and Rydia. Right. So it's off to Orbon Monastery in search for the next Zodiac Bravestone. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and thank you to everyone who's reached out to us. Make sure to hit us up on social media at FFWeeklyPod on the Patreon. You can hop into the Discord channel. You can send an email to FinalFantasyWeekly at gmail.com. And either way, just let us know how you're feeling out there. And if you're interested in more Final Fantasy content, do become a patron there for just $1 on Patreon.com slash FFWeekly. And again, for as low as $1, you can become a patron over at DC Productions, where I'm talking Star Wars, and Ira and I have been doing the Ninja Turtles, and all kinds of fun extra stuff over there. We appreciate you. Join us next time as we continue our discussion on Final Fantasy Tactics, The War of the Lions.